0: Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with The Struggle. I'm Sean Lee. I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we
1: navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. This week, we talk a little bit about golf because that is my current obsession, but we relate it back to our day-to-day struggles in work in life and some of the lessons that we can take out of the other things that we do in life to teach us
0: how to take small steps towards bigger goals. Enjoy. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, everyone. Morning James. Hello, everyone who is starting to listen. This is week or episode 39. We're just taking it day by day. Yeah, I asked Sean how he was doing and he dropped some wisdom and just said, I'm doing, I'm going day by day. <laughs> so what an awesome start. And we're also talking about Sean's new obsession of golf. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about it for a while, but not to this level of, of obsession after watching
1: Tiger Woods 97 Masters performance <laughs> obsession. <laughs> <laughs> it's like watching a professional play and just be like, wow, that's what this game is about. Not that I aspired to go to the masters or anything. Maybe I secretly do, but
0: I'm 37. (laughs) That'd be freaking awesome. If that's an obsession and it drives you to perform and keep improving yourself day by day. Yeah. I think it's pretty good. The hard reality would be that you probably have to be pretty honest that you probably won't make it. (laughs) Right? Yeah. But I would be okay just like
1: getting in. Yeah. Apparently, the oldest player to make the cut in the Masters is
0: 64 this year. Yeah. Maybe that's the goal, just to get in or to be able to good enough to apply. Yeah.
1: Hesson did tell me that you have to like have nothing else to do because you have to play a ton of tournaments throughout the year just to even make the cut. Yeah. And actually, no. I was just reading this morning, the PGA, they announced that they are upping obviously because of live they're upping all like the compensation for all players and they're covering like little things like they'll comp you for your travel and things like that and like wait, they didn't do that before because <laughs> <laughs> someone's telling me that a lot of players on the tour they pay for everything themselves and they barely make any money they pay everything out of pocket when they travel i was like wow that sounds terrible and now obviously with this whole live thing
0: for listeners who have no idea what live is what is it
1: Live is a Saudi Arabian-created competition or league, I should say, golf league, that's supposed to compete with the PGA. And it's like raising a lot of buzz and flack because they're paying players $100 million just to go play in their league. It's like when the what was it? the AFC started, right? What came first? NFL came first? And then wasn't there like another league that started that tried to compete with the NFL? Oh, is that how it became AFC and NFC? I think so, if I remember correctly. But yeah, the whole idea is like there's these established leagues that are pretty much monopolizing the entire sport, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, is there anything else other than the NBA? (laughs) No. It's like a global domination too.
0: Yeah, everyone wants to play in that.
1: Yeah, imagine if like some other country or the Saudis came out and was like, hey, we're going to start another NBA. Like how pissed the NBA would be. And we're going to pay LeBron $200 million to come play in our league instead. And he agreed. Like, people were pretty livid about it. Anyways, I think it's petty that PGA even cares. I'm putting this on record. (laughs) uh, Because it's like, you have a monopoly. And we all know monopolies are characteristic of being stagnant and non-innovative. And that's how we got into alumni podcasting. Because alumni departments are non-competitive. And so they don't innovate. But um, I think this is a great thing. Now the PGA is like, oh, we need to pay our players more. It's like, wait, you had all this money all along? <laughs> it's like, like literally, if you read about it, they're upping the bonus pool from 50 million to 100 million. Just like one fucking decision, increase another 50 million. Wait, where'd you even get this money from?
0: I just have it laying around.
1: Yeah. But I think that the game of golf, what I was telling you earlier is really interesting is that it's definitely evolving and it's... 2022 and you know, it's finally becoming more inclusive and it's diverse, but I think there's still so much
0: more room to go for the sport, which is fascinating.
1: But anyway, James, how are you doing?
0: <laughs> Enough about golf. For anyone listening, we're just going to turn into a golf podcast now. <laughs> Sorry guys. <laughs> the golf struggles. <laughs> yeah, but I'm good. This morning, I was just wondering why is it the weekend? As in, why do people call it the weekend? I don't know where that came from, but the reason why I asked that is because we always start the week on either a Sunday or Monday, planning for the work week and have the weekdays, and then we're all excited for when the weekend comes. Why do we have to think like that? It's such a weird thing. Wouldn't you almost want to start the week with a Saturday and Sunday or maybe even the Friday where then your mentality is, I'm starting the week with an awesome few days Then I go into Monday, which maybe arguably is the worst day of the week. Nobody likes Mondays. And you end it on a Friday. So I'm reading about this. You know what's crazy? Hmm. And
1: we don't even question this, but I'm so glad you asked this question because just from a Google, the concept of a five-day work week was introduced. It's an industrial thing, isn't it? Yeah. A little over a hundred years ago. And Henry Ford... In 1926, almost 100 years ago, set down the 40-hour work week. That's nuts. The idea of like a Sunday off has been part of society for a while, I think, because of church. Christianity or religion or whatever. Yeah. But in Britain, nobody was expected to work on Sunday. Sunday was a day of rest. And then they, if anything, they extended it to a Monday. They call it a Saint Monday as well. Mm -hmm. So in Britain, I guess it was Sunday and Monday that people had off. And then you're absolutely right. The Industrial Revolution pushed this 100 years ago to adopt a five-day work week, 40 hours a week, and we did not work Saturday, Sunday. That was a weekend. Yeah. 100 years ago. It's such a weird thing. It's not even that long ago. Yeah. Will it change? USA officially adopted the five-day system in 1932, 90 years ago, in a bid to counter the unemployment caused by the Great Depression. Wow. 90 years ago, <laughs> double our lifetime ago, which is not even that long ago. And today we abide to this like it's fucking gospel.
0: I can understand why they, everything good kind of starts with that good intention in mind. What you just said, trying to help unemployment rates after Great Depression, trying to get people jobs, trying to kickstart the economy. And then at some point it becomes lost. We forget what the true purpose and what the true intention of it was and it's for for everyone to have an income. And at some point, we've kind of forgotten what the purpose of that was. Wasn't it to help everyone? Yeah. Like the why? Yeah. I mean, I think capitalism is good. It makes sense. It's just gotten to such an extreme moment. I think that's why there's such a big push against this. Yeah. That like anti-work movement or stepping away from corporations, even having monopolies.
1: Yep. You know, everything I think is a double-edged sword. And I remember reading a couple of years back a book by the Whole Foods founder called uh, Crony Capitalism. And capitalism has many facets. Like you're saying, taken to the extreme, that's what crony capitalism is. It's almost like if we just apply to our own personal lives, right? Working out is good. But if you overdo it, it's terrible for you. It's harmful
0: to you. Yeah. Taking anything to any extreme, if you lose balance in life, at some point you're going to realize like, oh, this is not healthy. I think we brought this up a little bit before, having time for reflection, like
1: really checking in. Stepping out of autopilot. Exactly. Yeah. You wrote about this. I remember it now. We talked about it two weeks ago. Yeah. That's one of the things that like I've been struggling with. I haven't had time to share this with you yet, but I've been kind of out of office now for almost four months. May, June, July, August, this end of August now. And yeah, a month of it this past month was because my daughter was born. So but I'm kind of at a mental state now where it's like, I don't know how to get back to work. (laughs) Totally. And I literally have tasks. I'm just like, I I don't want to do it. And my brother, Robert, was like, oh, that might be a sign of burnout. I was like, okay, that makes sense. And I was like, when was the last time you were burnt out? And he was like, oh, when I was in school, because I didn't want to do any schoolwork. I was like, I don't think that's burnout. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wanted to do schoolwork, you know? But jokes aside... I have been thinking about this. And I was talking to one of my friends, Bao, about it yesterday. And he said something so simple, but so profound. He was like, have you thought of just taking on smaller projects or just tackling something small first? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be big. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Because in my head, it's like, if I go back to work, it's like, I just go back full
0: force. There's no like increment to it. Dude. Do you know why you think like this and why we all probably think like this? Because of the 40-hour work week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's so funny you mentioned that. We're ingrained to think like that.
1: It's so funny you mentioned that because after he said that, it did not hop in my mind for like a brief second. I was like, oh, like,
0: what if I just work 10 hours to start, you know, a week? Yeah. And I was like, wait, this is such a novel idea. What if it's two hours a day every day? That's 14 hours. Yeah. Oh, you, you don't believe in weekends. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just saying if it's something that you can work on every single day, mm. why does it matter which day you do it? That's true. Like, why does it have to be Monday through Fridays? What if you you like golfing, you're doing golf stuff, you do it every single day or you prefer to, why isn't a project in the similar sense? That's right. Like our jobs are like, as parents, you don't take off the weekend. Not that you can in this sense, but why does work have to be something where it's only Monday through Fridays and we reserve the weekend for our own personal shit, but why is it like that? Why can't we do work every single day? If we have to work 40 hours, what if you spread it over seven days instead of five and each day you're just chugging along five hours a day, that's 35 hours. And if you want to work more on Monday through Thursday and do nothing on a Friday and Saturday, why not? Yeah. This like Monday through Friday, 40-hour work week concept is such, like you said, it's 100 years old. Yeah, it's based on manufacturing needs. Right. We're not freaking equipment. We're not machines where we just can easily be plugged in for eight hours a day at a time. And and then...
1: I like that idea a lot. I'll tell you why. When you brought up golf, sorry, listeners, if you hate golf, (laughs) when you brought up golf just now, it just made me realize you're absolutely right. Like I want to hit golf balls every fucking day, but I have a physical limitation. Like when I hit over a hundred balls a day, which takes about a little over an hour, like my wrists and hands just, I get, start getting sore. I'm like straining my body. And then I'm like, I have to stop. Before, I would like not stop. I would hit for another hour. And then like the next day, I'll just be completely sore. And I'll be like, I can't hit any more balls. I have to rest for like two or three days. And then your game breaks down if you try to push through that. Yeah. And now I'm just really trying to moderate myself. Be like, all right, just be patient. You just get 100 balls a day. That's all you get. I'm giving this example because who's to say that like when we push ourselves on a 40-hour work week, like to push ourselves eight hours a day, that we don't have a mental strain like that. Yeah, absolutely. Like a parallel idea. It may not be eight hours. Maybe for me right now, maybe like that's what I'm realizing. Like my mental strain or capacity is only an hour or two hours. And once I hit that capacity, it's like I can't handle anymore. I can do more, but it's just like golf. I can do more, but it's it's not productive. It's not healthy. And then I may need to like take a break for like two days before I can get back to the desk. Uh, it sounds silly, but I think that's something that we should have awareness of at least of how our body and our our minds work and
0: the strain that we put on it. Yeah. I don't think anyone can truly say that they work a straight eight hours a day without any breaks. Yeah. Agreed. You can't do that. And if you can, then you must be in your twenties. Yeah. Either that (laughs) or by Friday, you're, you're doing nothing. You're zonked. Yeah. You're just zoned out. You're zonked on the weekends. You're just laying there watching TV. Right, and then you have to do it all over again. And by that time, you're starting off with less energy because you haven't fully recovered. You're so depleted. It's like using a battery to 0% every single time yeah. and then f- charging it to like 120%, hoping to get more output when really- Well, it's terrible for batteries. Right, it just dies. It just dies faster. And maybe that's a way that we have to think about our mental capacity is we can never go to 0%. And we can't, we shouldn't be charging over to 100%.
1: Yeah, I
0: like that. A good parallel of charging over 120% is overeating. Yeah, or oversleeping.
1: Or sleeping, yeah, oversleeping, that's right. Because physically you are like our body is a battery. When you think about it, it's an amazing piece of technology. And we're able to convert biomass into
0: fuel and store it in the form of fat. The unfortunate thing about this kind of thinking is the workforce will never change unless someone from the bottom starts to create companies that think about the mental capacity of their employees, still pay them enough for them to be fully motivated, to be able to live a sustainable life, and maybe not so driven off of trying to make as much money as possible right now. Right. And then the greed of investors and whatnot. That's the other interesting revelation I've had this past two weeks
1: since we last talked, is that, you know, I've always wanted to build, you know, a billion dollar business someday in my lifetime, not for the money, but for like the impact. I think I shared this before. It's the idea that like to actually make a billion dollars, you need to create a billion dollars worth of value, right? That someone, people were willing to give you money for it. And hopefully it's in a positive way, not like McDonald's or something like that, even though I, I eat McDonald's. But you get my point, right? But I've always like had this pie-in-the-sky kind of idea that, like, it's either go big or go home. Again, going back to this, what we just described of, like, doing things like starting small or tackling smaller things, I've never thought of it like that, where it's just like, you know, what, just focus on something you're passionate about. Focus on something that, like, really works. I think that was a problem I had with Clever, was that I started the company with Survey already thinking that, like, this is a billion-dollar idea. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, per se, but... For some people, it might drive them to be able to do that. And maybe because of their lifestyle and whatever, like their family's circumstances, they can sustain that. But for me, it was just way too much pressure to think that big. And now this is where I'm trying to figure this out. It's like having vision is good, but having that much pressure is, I think in my opinion, it was counterproductive for me. It'd be like, all right, you have this pressure that you talked all your friends and, and people, all these investors into investing in this company, and you're like promising this billion dollar thing versus just like, all right, I'm just going to take it one step at a time and I'm just going to build, I'm not going to worry about giving you outsized returns. I'm just going to concern about the small things, the small details of like, how do we build this into like a, a company or a product that people actually want to use? That's something I've been noodling on for quite a bit is that,
0: Big ideas, small execution. Yeah, yeah. We're all fixated on the money outcome when building a startup. Because let's be honest, like the only way that you can build a company is if you get money. Right. Any foundation of a business is about making money, whether you like that or not. Because if you're building a business and you can't make money off of it, you can't sustain it. Unless you're a multimillionaire and willing to just pay for the company itself, but you're building it for something. And so maybe the outcome is not for money per se, but it is, like you just said, for value, value from what people use. And the byproduct is money.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I think just even on the money portion as a byproduct, I think where it can be perversed, it can get taken in the wrong way is that you're like unsatisfied until you make big money. Yeah. Versus looking at small wins and reiterating on that small win. I think that's where my mentality was, was like, hey, like I've started all these businesses. So like, dude, this thing better be gangbusters or nothing. And that's not a right mentality. Like nothing can be gang, like what are the chances something's gonna be gangbuster or nothing? Like fucking 0.00001%. I'm not saying it's impossible, but the chances are very low. What's more likely that you build small wins and you iterate along the way, right? You pivot. Yeah. But as I'm talking this out, that's what I realized was the unnecessary pressure I added to myself was like, hey, this is going to be gangbusters or, or nothing. And I've been really working through this idea this past week of like, all right, it's not all or nothing. Stop thinking like that. Just look at your game of golf. With golf, you've taken this approach. It's like you're willing to work at this thing consistently for at least a year to see how you improve and take it from there. But an hour a day,
0: like you said. Yeah, and that's a small win. Maybe it's just that. It's doing the small things each day. Yeah.
1: I will say one good thing about this consistency is that, so I went biking last weekend with Robert. And we rode, I think, 40 kilometers. Yeah, we rode 40 kilometers. It's like 25 miles. And I haven't ridden in like half a year. I noticed my endurance was a lot better.
0: Nice. I think it's because I've been staying physically active with golf. Hitting 100 balls an hour, which is ridiculous if you think about it. It is ridiculous. I'm trying to slow it down. <laughs> it's like two or three per minute. Yep. That means you're a, you're like approach, hit, approach, hit, <laughs> approach, hit.
1: Yeah. Now I think about it, I do need to slow that down because I'm I'm just trying to Get the feel because everybody's like, oh, just feel your swing. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck to feel. <laughs>
0: yeah, I have no idea what that means, what people tell me. Yeah.
1: But I think after 100 balls an hour, you know, I think I'm starting to, to understand what not to feel. <laughs> <laughs> like when I shank it, which is an amazing start. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Like when I shank it, right, I'm just like, all right, I know what not to feel. And that's a cool feeling because. I think someone broke it down There's like 16 or 20 different steps to your stroke. There's like the grip, there's like your setup, there's like the weight balancing, there's like the rotation, like the wrist cocking. There's like so many like checkpoints. Yeah. And in the beginning, it is completely overwhelming. Just the setup, just thinking about it and you just psych yourself out. And I think over time, what i built into muscle memory is like, all right, I know my setup now. So that's one less thing for me to think about. I've done this setup like over a thousand times down, And I'm not saying like, you learn that quickly, but just an example. Like I'm slowly taking down like the things I need to think about. Yeah. And making it more natural so you can move on to the next phase. Yeah. And then focus on like, all right. Like I remember one week I was focused on, is my wrist cocking when I bring the
0: club back? Dude, maybe that's the approach for the project.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. Like you just talked about it. Taking the very small things to build a billion dollar business I'm guessing it's not just a 16 to 20 step approach. It's probably like 160 to 200 step approach. And so step one, your approach, your stance, your grip, how can you apply that to those little small projects that you're doing? That's true. And maybe that's how you make even your small project even smaller, like small bite-sized chunks into each day. Yeah. Dude, you just apply your golf approach to work approach and it's going to work.
1: It'll be amazing. All right, that's what I'm gonna try next. One thing I have to share with you, James, I figured out, I haven't completely fixed my slice, but I have stopped slicing 95% of the time. Damn. Now I'm just hooking the shit out of it sometimes. If it's not doing like a a nice fade, like a pull slice, then it's just like, I'm just hooking the shit out of it, which is the opposite problem, but it's a good problem to have. Yeah. (laughs) Cause then I, I know my face is closed, which is amazing feeling. But talking about breaking things down, you know, we talked about this before with procrastination, how procrastination is you've made a a mountain out of a molehill and you haven't broken that task into small enough chewable pieces. And yesterday, I think this really ties in with our conversation today about taking breaks. And I read this thing, I'll send this to you. It said, procrastination is not laziness. It's a coping mechanism. I was like, Whoa what a novel fucking concept. It's just a combination of words that say something differently. And says, you see, procrastination isn't just something we're doing because we're bored. It says, once you learn the simple truth of where it comes from and why you do it, it dissolves almost instantly. You almost forget how to waste time ever again. They're trying to sell like this thing. But it's this idea that maybe it's our brain forcing us to say like, hey, stop like being pie in the sky. Break it down into something that is digestible. Like, stop trying to eat this whole steak,
0: this amazing steak in one bite. Reminder, you know, cut it into pieces. Maybe procrastination is your brain saying, I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, with this juicy piece of steak. Yeah. I like that. Oh, cut a piece off. Oh, okay, I can do that. You cut it. Okay, now what? Take the bite. (laughs) Yeah, it's not laziness. It really isn't. I like this
1: phrase. It's not laziness. It's a coping mechanism. Or it's a... It's a mechanism to help you
0: progress. Mm -hmm. It's not a negative thing. I like that. All right. I think that's a good place to end. Yes, sir. Cool. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. I hope you learned a little bit about golf, a little bit about where the work day and the work week came to life, and maybe just a little bit on what you can do to take a small bite out of that project that you're trying to work on. Yeah. I'm glad we brought it full circle back to struggles of life. (laughs) Yeah, which eventually is just all going to be a buck off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Have a great week, everyone. See you guys.